listening to this week's Lefevre CFC podcast. Connect with us via our website, lefevrecfc.com, or our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash lefevrecfc. We hope you enjoy this week's message. So we're talking about Stay Sold, and this is our final message on the series, and I trust that uh, it's been an encouragement to you. If you haven't read the book, or if you haven't got a copy of the book, I think, Bernadette, you've got four copies, um, but it's not too late to read it, because we haven't touched everything in here, and it's an amazing read, and uh, the posture of it and the tone of it is just absolutely amazing. So um, if you haven't, love for you, to, love for you to read it. But before we jump into that, I'm going to jump into some photos. I promised a slideshow of my travels, um, so let me indulge. Um, it is family movie night, slideshow night. Um, but my head is already thinking about next year. That's why it says Nepal 2024, um, because it was only last month. But um, I've, my head was obviously thinking about next year. Let me just explain a couple of those photos. Had a great time in Nepal, um, two weeks there and then across into to India for a week. Um, the guy on the left, I think that's still your left. Yep, oh, the guy on the left is a young guy who did our training, our CRC training uh, a number of oh, last year. And out of that, he planted a church in his hometown and his village. And that, um, his, so he's done our CRC training, just a month of training. But from that, went out and pioneered his a church and is uh, going out, working in his gardens and doing stuff in his, to earn money during the, the day. But then at night, he's going from house to house, just sharing the gospel right up in the foothills of the Himalayas, um, which is pretty exciting to be able to be part of that and just to see him and talk with him and just... Um, be encouraged by that, which is absolutely awesome. The next, the middle photo, um, that's a bit hard to see, Stephen, but Stephen, who is in the middle, um, he's not Nepalese and he's not Indian. He's actually um, from CFC South. Uh, so he came with me as part of the trip. And um, so that's Stephen and he's on a missionary journey. Um, and hopefully one day he'll be a missionary. Uh, but the Lord's just stirring him in that, that direction. So to have him with me was absolutely fantastic. The guy that he's with is Kuma. Kuma's the pastor of that church there. He uh, last year left his job to pastor the church. He's a school teacher, but he left that to go and pastor the church because there was no one to pastor it. But one of his uh, ministries that he does as a school teacher before school at sort of 7.30 in the morning and then after school, he gets kids together from the surrounding community where he is because that land that is on there is government land. So they're basically squatters on this land. So everybody in that little village um, are all squatters. They don't own the land. So the building that they have there, they're squatting on government land and then they're going and working in tea plantations or going up into the jungles, um, finding vegetables and different things that they can then sell at the markets. Um, so as a result of that, the kids don't have parents that either have time or are educated to actually help the kids get an education. So his idea is that I'll actually teach the kids, help them do their homework, provide tuition for them so that they get through the education system. Because if they don't do their homework, the teachers will stop them from coming or they'll feel embarrassed and then feel like I can't continue on in the education process. So they drop out. So this is his way of actually trying to see those families actually uh, get onto a different track in life and a different different way because in Nepal, education, without education, it's very hard to get a job and they'll be trapped into a life of poverty. So he's trying to break that poverty cycle by actually training the kids. So um, some of them pay, um, I think it's 150 rupees, which is um, one rupee is 84, no, 
yeah, one dollar is 84 cents. So work that out. A couple of dollars a month they pay to do that. And a few of the kids can't even afford that to, to come along. So, um, so I had somebody give me some money um, from here. So I actually, I won't name them. Um, not name and shame, but name and glorify. But I won't name them. But they gave me some money because I was able to buy a couple of whiteboards, sponsor um, 15 kids that weren't funded for a couple of months and give him some money for something else he needed as well. So uh, that was pretty awesome. So that's part of us being salt. Um, although we're here, being able to, to share our, uh, our, the blessings of what we have in our culture to uh, that little village in Nepal. Uh, on the right, far right-hand side is the church that I preached at on one of the Sundays. Uh, we also ran a leadership seminar for two days in that same building. Um, and the leader there is uh, Dependra, who's the pastor of the church there. So um, I have a hundred or probably a thousand other photos if you would like me to go through them. You can come and see me individually. We can sit and tell a whole heap of other stories, a whole heap of other people that we met. Um, but yeah, so in, in Nepal, the CRC work that we're, we're pioneering there is training at the moment with other denominations and other groups of independent churches that are not registered, but they're just very, uh, just planting churches. So we're helping train their young people and their potential church planters. Um, so that's the work and the humanitarian side of what we do at the moment and eventually we'll get to a stage where we, we start to plant some churches with some of the people that are wanting to connect more with CRC but at this stage it's more of a training and humanitarian sort of side of things. Um, I don't know what happened. I was meant to show a photo of some, um, some sewing machines on a rickshaw that we bought and that was another part of some people from here who generously gave so we could start a, a women's empowerment project in Nepal uh, sewing sanitary pads because sanitary issues for ladies is a huge issue in India and Nepal. Uh, so we got, bought, got, was able to buy two sewing machines, got some material there so that project's going to start very soon as well. Um, yeah, so that was the Nepal part of my travel. The other bit was Alice Springs um, and those who have been to Alice Springs uh, know that room. Uh, on the left, and that's the Sunday school room, and that's, um, we had, there was 42 kids at church on Sunday, uh, that is not normal, there was a spike, um, but it was chaos, uh, but yeah, it was absolutely um, exciting to see that, and then on the right hand side is Pastor Malcolm and Pastor Bill Vasilakis, who were up there for interviews, and um, Max, do you want to, can you show the video? Yeah, you want to show the video? It won't have sound, but it is. this is the Sunday service. Uh, that's all the kids coming forward. We pray for them before we release them. Uh, we don't have sign in, sign out, so I'm just confessing to our breaking our policies, but we, we pray for them and we release them. They all go out together. So that was church. It was full on Sunday. Um, great number there. Part of me going up, one of my roles in um, sort of, I work for the church here three days a week, and then I have... Uh, two days a week uh, employment, which is missions and um, sort of Alice Springs. And one of my roles has been, or is overseeing the work in Alice Springs. But we've had some, uh, a person help, or Yen Daly, some of you know Yen Daly. She's been helping uh, really run the ministry up there this year. But her and her husband are leaving Alice Springs and going from Alice Springs to Berlin. Big shift, isn't it? Big change of culture and a big shift for them. But that's what they're happening and that's for work. Um, for Lewis's work, he has to shift. Um, so we've just been, have, we had interviews last weekend um, and looks like we've got a plan and a way forward for next year, uh, for 2024, which will involve some supervision for me, from me, uh, but it won't be as much in the sense of, of what I've been giving this year because we've got 
the Lord willing, um, a person on staff two days a week to really cover the pastoral care and a lot of the admin and organizing for there. So that's very exciting. So keep Alice Springs in your prayer. But um, yeah, God's at work there and good things are happening. Um, and yeah, absolutely amazing. So it's had some tough times over the last couple of months. But um, yeah, on Sunday, it was just a delight to see so many people there and God at work. There's about 95 people in the building um, and just... Um, yeah, just a sense of God's presence and power at work. So keep the church in your prayers um, and also my role with the overseeing of the church there. That'll be, that's that one. You've seen that one. So stay back to stay salt. Um, so if you want to see more photos of Alice Springs, I've got plenty more photos of Alice Springs as well. So come over. Here we go. We're going to stay salt. I know... Last time we showed that picture, and the whole idea of staying salt, it is not something we do, it is who we are. That Jesus actually, when we're saved and we follower of Jesus, we become salt. Um, so we're not talking about programs and four-step things, we're talking about a natural way of us sharing our faith and share, and we talk about the word evangelism. You obviously, we, I'm going to recap and just circle around to what we did a little bit last, my first message that we started on, um, Reinhard Bonnke. Um, is an amazing preacher and that's a mass of people and him preaching. Maybe you don't feel like that type of evangelist, but I don't want to limit anybody here and maybe that is you or maybe that's one of our youth could be a Reinhard Bonnke and I'm, I'm keen for that. Who knows? Um, so let's not limit ourselves, but that's not everybody. That is a very small, uniquely gifted and called group of people. But sometimes when we think evangelism, we think, well, they're the evangelists, not me, Billy Graham. Great evangelist, maybe we have a Billy Graham amongst us who's rising up or God's calling, or maybe one of those youth or young people out there may fit into that bracket, but maybe not. Um, but God's called us all not to be like this though, sort of preaching on the streets and holding up signs, and I feel very awkward when I walk past someone like that in Rundle Mall or somewhere else, it makes me desperately feel very desperately uncomfortable, but, um, but that's what a lot of people think the work of evangelism is, um, and immediately all the barriers go up. But we talked about, in the very first message, about successful evangelism is about loving people with your life, your words, and extending an invitation. So loving people with your, your, your life, your words, and extending an invitation. I reckon all of us can do that. We can be, as I showed last time, the everyday evangelists. There you go, Dawn and Paul. Uh, people who I know amongst us that do that. They love people with their lives, their words, and they extend an invitation. Um, so Dawn's cranky with me again. Second time round, I just got double, <laughs> double cranky. Um, but that's okay. I was happy to wear that. But for each one of us to actually be thinking, yeah, I can do this. That evangelism isn't something out there or scary, but that we can each be salt because Christ has made us as salt as we follow him. So the whole thing of sharing the good news, demonstrating Christ's love. Alyssa shared about that a couple of weeks ago. Declaring Christ's truth, which Tara talked about last week. And then tonight, just finishing it off and bringing it all together is the, being dependent on the power of God. That it's not me that saves, it's not you that saves, it's God and the work of his Holy Spirit that brings about salvation and transformation of a human heart and a human life, which I'm so thankful for. Because if it was dependent on my skill, my ability, my words, my me, 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 then I'm looking in the wrong place, but I'm going to be desperately disappointed. It actually is me resting in the confidence of God and His power 
to bring about change in a human heart. That's what happened to my life. That's what happened to each one of us when we come to that place of salvation and saying, Jesus, I'm following you. But our, God is, our job is to declare his word, show his love, and then trust in his power. First scripture we'll look at is 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 15. Uh, all three of these are actually picked up through this passage. For when, you, when we brought you the good news... It was not only with words, but also with power. So he's saying, I brought words. And so often, um, we had a stage, in, I, I feel like in the Western world, the Western culture, uh, where we actually thought, well, we've got to stop sharing the word, and it's all about showing love and action. And we almost got the emphasis on the showing of action, and we lost the speaking of the truth and declaring the word. Um, and we almost lent that way so much that we actually forgot to, actually, we, we need to speak this as well. That it has to be love and words. So he's saying, I came with you. Paul, on his second missionary journey, he plants this church. He came with the, the word, but he came with power the Holy, that, and for the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. That they spoke words, but it was the Holy Spirit power actually bringing confirmation of the truth of the words that were shared. That gives me confidence, that I can speak the words, but Holy Spirit, you've got to make it make sense. You've got to make it have truth and that it become a reality to a person's life. I can't do that. Only you do that, Jesus. Then it goes on. And then you knew of our concern for you from the way we lived when we were with you. So Paul's got all three lined up right there. So the last one is the way we lived our life. They lived in such a way that showed love and concern for people. So we need to be in that space. But today we're focusing a bit more on the demonstrating of the power of the the word and the power of God. If we're going to believe that though, we need to have a confidence in the power of the word. The power of the scriptures. And do we have that confidence in, in the word? Confidence in the power of the scriptures to actually bring about transformation to people's lives. It's an awesome. Romans 1 verse 16 and 17. This is Paul again saying, I, For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work. I'm, that's a New Living Translation. But I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. That's the NIV and that's the one I've memorized Um, But it is powerful. There is power in the gospel. There's power in the word. For those of us who believe, we put our faith in it, for the Jews and for the Gentiles. It's this good news that tells us how God makes us right in his sight. That's really what Hayden was saying at communion. That God makes us right in his sight. That there's power in the word of Jesus Christ and in the name of Jesus Christ. But there's power in these scriptures that we have. Do we believe that? Do we have confidence? Do we, do we actually have that level of confidence? To say, yeah, there's power in this thing. That as people, we encourage people to read their scriptures as we encourage, we read the Bible ourselves. There's power in here. Sometimes we can get to a stage where it's, yeah, read it, read it, read it, know it, read it, know it. We grow up in Sunday school, yeah, know that story, know that story, know that story. But there's something powerful in the scriptures. And that as we share them, that there's a power that comes with them. Not only a power in our own life when we read them, but a power in them that it's inherently caught up in the word of God as we share them with others. Another passage, Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting 
between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And I've been, um, as I've been traveling, I've been listening to The Hobbit um, and just started listening to The Lord of the Rings again. Um, they were my bedtime stories to my, from my mum when I was little. She'd read, the, read those to us as we are going to bed. And I'm not sure what that did to my dreaming and my imagination. But as I've just been listening to them again, you just realise, like as you, as you read that scripture, that there's power in it. They're, they're sharp. And I just think of uh, Bilbo Baggins with his sword that he got from the elves that, it, you know, that lights up when there's orcs around. And, um, and it's, it's so sharp and so powerful and that, you know, when he's there, I just think of him there with all those spiders that were attacking him and him giving them a, a stab with it and they, they squealed and ran away because it, it was stinging them, it was causing them pain. But I just think about, do we think of the word like that? That it has power, that it holds a power in it. So I've just been in that imaginary world of of the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings, but, you know, that we are, that the Word of God has that power. It is a sword, and that do we use it, but do we hold it in that, in our thinking? Because it does. And do we have that level of confidence? Confidence in the sword. Like all through the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, there's these swords that people had confidence in the sword and what was given and the, who'd made it and the generations that had been held on by and who'd, who'd held it before them. And there's all these things that go along with this, this sword that's there. And they had confidence in, in their sword. But do we have that level of confidence in the word and its power to bring about change to our own hearts and to the lives of others that we share it with? This is a picture from a couple of Sundays ago. Um, Tara and Sandra and myself were at a wedding. And this wedding, you, some of you may know Justin or recognize Justin from that picture. He was the pastor here of the Uniting Church when I first started um, here two, or a year and a bit ago. Um, he started at the same time and did about six months here as their pastor. Now he's the pastor out at Salisbury. And him and his wife did a renewal of their vows. And that renewing of their vows was them recommitting themselves to one another, recommitting their love for each other. And um, there's a bit of a story, but they'd been married 10 years before. But they decided, like, we want to re- redeclare our love and commitment to one another. And just as I thought about that, I think for us, and for some of us individually, that actually having to say, look, I'm going to recommit myself to a confidence in the Word of God, confidence into the power of the Scriptures, Say, no, I'm going to renew my vow before the Lord. Say, Lord, I know, I know that your word has power. Because maybe some of us have actually, we know it, but we've just let it slide a bit. At the end of the service, I want to challenge us all to really make a a renewal commitment to say, Lord, I know that your word has power. And I want to put my confidence in its power to bring about transformation and change. This man is a, a man, I think I may have showed told his story before here, but um, I met this man for the very first time uh, in a place called Jalpaguri, right on the Bangladesh-India border. Um, so he's West Bengal, he's from, he speaks Bengali, but he's actually from Bangladesh, but was living in India, in West Bengal. And um, that Sunday, uh, that's actually taken on a, fo- on a Monday, that photo, but the Sunday before that was the time I first met him, and he came to me. Well, came to the church where we had nobody come for service, so he turned up late that afternoon, that night, and um, just 
one of our girls who was planting the church there and really pioneering said, this man, come, there's a pastor at the church because she's a female, she struggled to talk with him. So she said, come and talk to this pastor, come and talk to this man, he's there. And he turned up and he was at a place of desperation in his life. His son had got married and run off with a, 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 a girl and then they'd stolen a lot of their furniture and finance and it wasn't a girl that they were happy with. And so there was all this trauma and stress and pressure going on. So his wife is distressed. The little boy in that picture is actually quite sick and needing medication. So they'd sold all that they had to actually buy medication for him and it wasn't working. Um, and he'd got to a point where his wife is starting to lose her mind and he's starting to say, well, I'm going to end my life. And he's getting to a point of actual wanting to to finish his own life. He says, this, what's the point? Um, and he spoke to one of the girls and said, look, I need a Christian Bible. He said, oh, come and speak to me. Come down to the church. Or come down to the, it's not even a church, it's a house, the house where we're staying. So they came down. Um, and he came down and we spoke. And I said, come back tomorrow and I'll get you a Bible. I have a Bible here tomorrow. I don't have a Bengali Bible now. I'll get one here for you tomorrow morning. Um, but bring your boy back tomorrow. And he got up and took off, took off after I prayed for him. I wasn't sure it was a yes or a no. He shook his head. So I'm not sure it was a yes or a no. You know, the Indians shake their head when they talk. Um, I end up doing it after a week in India. I was nodding my head in all different directions. Um, but the next morning, I got, well, as soon as he left, I got on the phone and got one of our guys, Dippin, to come and get a Bengali Bible. I said, I don't care how you get it. Steal one if you have to. Um, but just get a Bengali Bible and get it to me here tomorrow. He's coming at nine o'clock. Make sure you've got it for when you um, get it here to me by, by the morning. And he was in a city that was about a two hour, or hour and a half bus right away. So he searched and bought some and brought, brought some Bengali Bibles down. Um, but this man turned up at... at um, Nine o'clock, eight o'clock in the morning, even though it said come at night. He turned up at eight and he brought his son and we prayed and we talked and he even had a cup of tea this time. The night before he didn't even want to have a cup of tea with me, but he had a cup of tea. Um, and once we'd prayed and the cup of tea had finished, he just got up and walked off. I said, but wait, the Bible's on its way. But he just started to leave. And as he was leaving, the young guy who had the Bibles walked in the gate and he took the Bible and he kissed it, said thank you and took off. Um, but I know that the rest of the story was that over the next coming weeks, day after day, he read the scriptures. Day after day, he studied them, and it brought absolute transformation to his life. He'd come from a, he was a Hindu, he'd looked through all the Islam and the Quran, and he said, this is working. So within six months, he was baptized, uh, his life situation changed, his relationship with his oldest son didn't sort of come back together as quickly as that hoped, but um, the little boy... Um, became well but the power of the word to bring transformation to his heart and his life and this is a guy who does not know the scriptures like so he's a he's reading all of it for the very first time but it brought transformation to him as he read the gospel and he read the stories and sometimes for us we've been reading it so much we've, we know so much of it we know so many of the stories that we they don't have the same impact on us but the word has power within it and that we would have that confidence in the scriptures. Max, what's happening? I'm trying to move. Is that me? Is it you? Uh, so confidence in the word, but then it, oh, there we go. Here we go. No, I think we're too far now. There we, there we go. But we've got that confidence in the word that we would have also have a confidence to invite people to take a deep, to a deeper look at Jesus. That really. People who don't know Christ, people who don't know the stories, 
that instead of coming with our four-step plan, which is quite often what used to be the evangelism teaching or all of that, that we would actually say, okay, there's people out there who are interested to find out and have a deeper look at who Jesus is. That is exposing, not imposing Christ to people. That we would take the time to expose people to the stories of Jesus. Maybe this can happen naturally in a workplace. Happen wherever you are. But you're inviting people into that place of actually um, discovering the real Jesus. Because people's perception of Jesus is one thing. But when people read the stories of Jesus for the very first time, but they actually look at the life of Jesus and look at that. It actually, the real Jesus is very different to what we could think he is. Many people have a picture of Jesus as the institutionalized Jesus. When you read the scriptures, Jesus was really cranky with the religious people. Jesus was the one who was the friend of prostitutes, tax collectors, sinners, rebels, people who were broken, people who were in trouble, that's who he hung out with the most. And you see how he interacted with them. So inviting people into a place where actually discovering the real Jesus. Discovering who he is and knowing that his word works. That we can actually put it out there and let people hear the word, know the story, understand the story, and then leave it with them with the word to do its work in their life. The word doesn't need us to, to defend it. The scripture Jesus is big enough to look after his own word. doesn't need us to defend his word. If you read the book, there's a, uh, there's a, a quote there from Spurgeon that talks about a lion. He says, if there's a lion and there's a, a few people given the task of protecting the lion and these people come to attack the lion, he says, well, why don't we just get out of the way and let the lion out? The lion will look after himself. He says, sometimes we're like that with the scriptures and with Jesus. We're trying to protect Jesus and defend Jesus says, gee, we don't need to defend Jesus. Jesus is big enough. He's the lion who will look after himself. So putting Jesus out there in that space. To do this, we need to be people who, I think, to invite people into a deeper relationship to, uh, with Jesus, we need to be people who are willing to put aside maybe our own views. That we've got all the answers. We've got things sorted out. Maybe even some of our political views, some of our own sort of thoughts. So now I'm really ready to posture myself to ask questions, to engage and to listen, and then let the Holy Spirit work through us. to So what story is it that's going to connect with this person best with where they're at? What story of Jesus, what encounter that Jesus had with a person is actually going to best work with them? And that we would have confidence in the Spirit of God to lead us to that place. Jesus told, engaged and presented himself differently to different people depending on where they were at. The Samaritan woman, he was the living water. To Nicodemus, this religious man, he said, you've got to be born again. You've got to get rid of all your religious stuff and be born again and follow me. To the crowds who Jesus just fed, he said, I'm the bread of life. That was their need. So he related it in. For me, when I made a decision to follow Christ, it was the picture of being part of family. It was that I had a place to belong, that I had a place to connect to, a place where um, I could really feel at home. And my upbringing was, I lived up in Central Australia, out in the bush in an Aboriginal community, and where I was, uh, for much of the time, um, Naomi and myself, and other, uh, there was a couple of others, that we were really in this community, we were the only white kids there, um, and we did feel different and isolated and separated from. Um, so I came, then came from that, a community of less than 
probably 600 people into a high school of 800 people, Seton High School, um, which was tough at the time, wasn't it, Danny? I was a couple of years ahead of you, but I think, yeah, it was apparently a tough school at that time. Now it's like, yeah, I think it's still probably a bit tough. But anyway, but I popped into that space, and I'm trying to search to find out where do I belong, where do I fit? And some young guys got up at church one day, and they were just all in our youth group at that time, and they just talked about family, belonging, connection. And that's what resonated with me. So, Lord, I need that. I need a place where I'm accepted. And the fact that Jesus would accept me, that he would include me into his family and give me a place to belong was what resonated with my heart, with where I was at. Struggling with my identity, struggling to try and fit in, struggling to work out what, what, it, where, what was my place in this world. And that coming to Christ meant I got part, I'm part of his family, a place where there's acceptance. I won't be rejected. A place where it doesn't matter what I wear and how I look, um, and I, I still get accepted. I don't have to put on a, an external facade to receive and to be known by him. He knows all the mess that's inside, and he still accepts me. That, to me, was the message, and that was the stories of Jesus that really resonated deep with my soul that brought me to a place of saying, Jesus, I need you, and being included into that. And then the church family became my extended family. Uh, most of my extended, all of my extended family are from New South Wales and mum and dad moved away from that. We had contact, but I didn't have them around all the time. So that church community became the extended family for me because I, I didn't have it. I didn't have uncles, aunties, grandparents, all that sort of stuff around. And that's what attracted me to say, yeah, I want to be part of this. But it was seeing Jesus and saying, no, I'm part of family. We lack nothing. Having a confidence that we lack nothing. Confidence in the word and its power. Confidence in the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us to actually find the right story as we're talking to people and asking questions. God, what is the right story to share with this person and share that story and then let it do its work? Um, but also a confidence that we lack nothing. It's amazing. We do. We lack nothing to reach this world and transform it. Jesus has given us all we need. His power through the Holy Spirit in our lives. His truth through the word his love through Jesus we've got all the resources that we need to change the world we've got all that we need to bring about transformation and that we would say yeah I've got it I'm going to renew that confidence in God and step into that place I'm going to ask Rod and the musicians to come and lead us in a song but as we do that I really we're bringing this series stay salt to an end and the challenge of it for each one of us, it has been to, to be willing to step into that place, to show, show love, to declare the truth of the word, and then to uh, provide an extended invitation to others to come to Christ. And um, I really want to challenge us, to make us, for, for each one of us, to say, okay, well, where am I at with my confidence in the word? How dependent am I on the Holy Spirit to lead me in my conversations to a place that will bring Christ out in a discussion, that I would then have the stories that I know to speak to others. And that we would today, like that couple, just, uh, Justin and his uh, Marty, made a recommitment of their vow and commitment to one another, that we would, tonight, right now, sort of make a commitment, say, God, I want to recommit my sense of confidence in your word and my dependence on the Holy Spirit to be able to, that your word has power. Your word, you want to work through me to share with somebody. 
And maybe even as we're here, that the Lord may say, bring a person to your mind. But I reckon that'll come second as we just make a declaration of, Lord, I, I, I want this. We need this. Our city needs this. The peninsula needs this. Us to be people, your workplace, your school, we need to be in that place where we are salt and we would be salt.